Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to The Voyages, a Star Trek podcast about the Kirks and their crews from the original series and Kelvin films. I'm Mike Burst, and hosting with me today are Allie Black. How are you doing, Allie? I'm good, Mike. Thank you. And Chris Hill. How's it going, Chris? Pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Happy to be here. So to keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Voyages, be sure to follow us at The Voyages 2S on Twitter and Facebook. You can also And Instagram now. Oh, and Instagram now. There's a new update there. And it's the Voyages 2S there too, right? Yes. Awesome. And you can also subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Five star is always preferred. We don't like bad reviews, so don't leave those, please. <laughs> but feel free. <laughs> yes, and uh, kind of tangenting off with, uh, with the Expanse, if you're going to be, be aware that we do get into spoilers. <clears throat> and if you say that you enjoy it, but complain about the spoilers and only give us two stars. Just don't write the review. <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> this show is like 50 years old, so I'm not even giving alerts about spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this week, we're going to do a deep dive character study on James T. Kirk. Call me Jim. I always like that line from him. So we've each looked at Kirk from three different periods. Chris has looked at the original series. Uh, I took a look at Star Trek Continues, the fan-made series. And Allie's taking a look at the Kelvin Timeline movies. So why don't we jump in here, Chris, and you can bring us up on Kirk in the original series. All right. <clears throat> you know, during those first three, uh, three years for the original series, Kirk wasn't really the womanizer that pop culture portrayed him as. I mean, if, if you just actually just sit down and watch, you'll see that, you know, he's actually a little bit more thoughtful and reflective. He goes into action when he needs to and you can also kind of see that he's a pretty good strategist um some of the episodes that i watched during this were uh where no man has gone before you know kind of the introduction setting everything up for him uh cobra might maneuver balance of terror conscience of the king arena errand of mercy city on the edge of forever amok time journey to babel savage curtain Return to Tomorrow, um, All Our Yesterdays. Didn't watch any of the movies, but I've seen them so many times that sometimes I don't have to. So, <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely got a, a reputation as a womanizer, but when you really dig into it, he's not really out there just flirting around. It's usually got some kind of a... He's either actually in love or he's right. got some kind of an angle for the mission that he's on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. the uh, the Probably the ones that that, that people, you know, cite mo- most often were from uh, ga- Gamesters of Triskillian and actually the Enterprise incident where, you know, he, he kind of lays it on a little bit with with the lady that looks like Lady Gaga and uh, and the uh, Romulan commander there. 
but an act, but really, it winds up that, that he's taught Spock with in uh, Enterprise incident how to how to do it to achieve his ends. But so you can tell he's a pretty good teacher that way. Um, but yeah, and we we first first off we uh, we get introduced to to how he was you know back at the academy, and Gary Mitchell says that he was. Um, a walking stack of books, and in in when you took his class, you are, you either think or sink. So that just yeah. kind of that that whole line right there just disproves a whole lot of things that pop cultures portrayed Kirk as. Yeah, because he definitely is portrayed as the the one that'll jump in and just go headlong into it, and usually get Picard as the thought thoughtful one. But he definitely he's got a background of. Um, having all that knowledge behind him too, so he's not just jumping in. He's got all kinds of thoughts behind it as well. Right now, as he's got as he gets older, you can kind of see that he's like, "Oh well, I've I've already been in something similar, so I'm just going to do the same thing type of thing." So you see him get get more action before thinking. Yeah, and sometimes to his detriment, like in uh, Wrath of Khan, right? Mm-hmm. Where he just kind of. Kind of matches Khan's uh, vengeance, you know, line for line, just about. Well, he's also got Savic there quoting regulations to him, which ends up being a good thing at the end. She was right. <laughs> yeah, and pull, pulls out one she didn't didn't think think of. So, I mean, really, if you're going up to Wrath of Khan when the Reliance coming up, nobody's responding to you. Are you not going to put up your shields? I think I would. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, but like Khan said, no, we're all one happy Starfleet family. So true, very true. Again, like another example of of where I think people misconstrues the the womanizing for you know achieving ends to the mission is in Star Trek Four with Jillian Taylor. Right. Yeah, that was a. Uh... That was an interesting kind of romantic interest, but it's I love at the end when she kisses him on the cheek and she leaves him and he's standing there like, whoa, that's what this feels like. <laughs> I don't even have your number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great uh, great exchange, a great moment. And the, the actress was great in that one. It's a perfect one to play off of him. And I think what kind of makes people think more that, that Kirk's the womanizer is actually there in, in Undiscovered Country with uh, Martia. And and especially with McCoy, you know, kind of breaking the fourth wall and saying, what is it with you? <laughs> yeah, when you go back and you watch that now, though, you can tell that he knows that she is helping them for some ulterior motive, right? Yeah, that the, the something's up and, and, you know, he's going to go along with it, but he he's at least, you know, at the same level, if not one step ahead. Well, I love when they're, um, they've escaped and they're waiting around the campfire and then she transforms into Kirk and... <laughs> I can't believe I kissed you. Yeah. It must have been your lifelong ambition. That, that's great. Mm-hmm. I always get a chuckle out of that one. That's kind of breaking the fourth wall, too. Mm-hmm. And it's actually Leonard Nimoy wrote that line for him, too, so that just adds <laughs> even more to it, right? And, and you know, hearing that now, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also kind of bringing in a little bit from the animated series, he in, in there he also was more was more the thoughtful before jumping into the into the fray. Um, 
Though he did get get caught up a couple times, like in the Lorelei signal, which allowed for Ohura to have a, a shining moment. So, yeah, he's definitely uh, like when I look at Kirk from TOS, I think he's probably closest to Cisco mm-hmm. in terms of how they make their decisions. He's not he's not Janeway. I don't think he's quite as like buddy buddy with his crew that way. Yeah, and and you know throwing out all the regulations. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> he does something you're like, "Whoa, why'd you do that? <laughs> you shouldn't do that." But it gets the job done. So it, I kind of relate him to Cisco in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And and you know they're they're getting, you know kind of comparing him to Cisco, you know, Cisco does have his moments of of reflectiveness and thoughtfulness, but he's not afraid to roll up his sleeves and punch you in the face. Two-handed Kirk punch. <laughs> or climbing up the wall and double Kirk dropkick. <laughs> the classic Kirk dropkick. I have the Kirk Fu Kirk Fu manual, but not not in this room. So. Oh, I haven't got that yet. Looks like a fun read. Yeah. Which you know, pl- plugging in a, uh, a future episodes, uh, we will be talking with uh, Dayton Ma- or Dayton Ward. Uh, later on, and we we might bring up a little bit of that and see if he was wanting to, or see, seeing if he was thinking thinking about you know the moves that, that he put in the Kirk Fu, Fu manual to stick in a couple situations in Vanguard. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that episode. It's gonna be a lot of fun talking to him. So am I. Do you have any opinions, Allie? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we've we've been yakking on here, <laughs> probably talking over you. <laughs> See, I, I agree with you, Chris, about um, uh, Kirk being portrayed as a womanizer in, in the original series where he really wasn't. Um, when I compare that to the Kelvin timeline, I do think they play up on that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always turning around at the Academy, hello, ladies. You know, he's with the Orion girl or the the cat twins. And, and they do play up on that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel that the, uh, especially with the Kelvin timelines, though, we're looking at an earlier version of Kirk in a completely different timeline. So, and, and also a Kirk that didn't know his father. Right, right. And he had a bit of more, he had no father figure in his life to teach him any better or to, to bring him into a more respectful uh, way. I mean, even just the way he was when he first met Yuhura. Yeah, not only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that sequence I love. Okay, Cupcake, Cupcake, bring a few more guys. It'll be a fair fight. <laughs> yeah. And and one of the things, like, if I ever get into an argument online and, like, I'm just I'm just so totally done with their <laughs> I'm like, okay, Cupcake, it was a joke. Relax. <laughs> I totally pull that. <laughs> oh, just the part in the fight, too, where he... Uh... He gets thrown into her, and he turns around. And he kind of grabs her, and <laughs> just to look at just her to, face. just to stabilize himself. And and yeah, Ohura is shocked. At first, he's shocked. He's like, "Oh, hey!" Yeah, <laughs> just the Chris Pine, the looks that he gives. It's just mm-hmm. so awesome. He's such a yes. great choice for Kirk. Oh, absolutely. But no, Kirk in in the original series was much more of a of a, a he had more of a leadership quality about him. You know, the coming coming from his, you know, years going up the ranks as as opposed yeah. to, oh hey, you just saved the Federation except for Vulcan. Let's just throw you on the flagship. Yeah. I'll do it in three. <laughs> I'll do it in three. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. I guess what we'll do now is we'll take a look into Star Trek Continues, which um, is a fan-made series that they did 10 episodes. Um, it, it actually has a lot of really good Kirk stuff in it. Um, so I've kind of I've picked out a few episodes and specific quotes in it kind of illustrate the point. So episode two was Lolani. Uh, there's a part there at the end where it's basically like not ignoring the cruelties around us. And Kirk goes along with his orders and sends this slave girl back to her master, for lack of a better term. Um, and he realizes too late, in fact, that he needs to do something about this. So he goes and tries to save her, but then she self-destructs the ship instead. Um, so it's it's kind of a a real kicks Kirk back about regulations don't always follow regulations. Um, and there is a good good quote that Lolani actually has in a message after she dies that Kirk sees that I think makes a big impact in him. It says, if we remain silent to the cruelties that surround us, we'll lose a part of ourselves, the part that feels, that stands up for injustice, the part that loves. May this not be an end, but a beginning, freedom at all costs. So I think it, you can see how that sticks with him as he moves forward from that point and into the movie. Yeah, I think that's one of the great things that they had the, the benefit of doing is they had they had the movies to kind of see see how they could mold him towards that. Yeah, they definitely, like you said, they could see where he was before. Mm-hmm. I think it was you that told me one time that look at TOS as the first three years of that five-year mission. Yep. The animated series is year four, and Star Trek continues is year five. And they really, I think they took that to heart as well, and they can really, they linked up where he was to where he's going to be very well. Mm-hmm. And in this case, just not ignoring those cruelties and to hell with regulations when it it doesn't. Um, line up with ideals yeah always always follow the morals more so than than the regulations don't follow the letter of the law interpret it properly seems to be what comes out of that one um a big kirk episode in star trek continues with the white iris and this really uh talking about kirk as like a womanizer this really breaks that preconception right out and it's really about Kirk, how he's always buried his feelings of heartbreak and loss, and Kirk's lonely. So there is, there are three main ones that uh, he had really loved, and there's an exchange between him and McCoy where Kirk asks McCoy if he thinks he loved those women, and, and McCoy kind of gives him a little smirk, kind of, again, breaking that fourth wall, and Kirk tells him he did. So the three women were um, Nakia is a new character, but it was from the obsession in TOS yeah. with the cloud creature on the Farragut, and she died in that. Miramani. 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 I always get that one wrong for some reason. She was stoned to death on um, the Paradise Syndrome, I believe it was. Yeah. And And that was kind of that Native American episode where Kirk forgets who he is. Um, he was in love with her. It's actually revealed in this episode that she was pregnant with a child. So that's another piece of loss for him there. And then Edith Keeler, of course, where he had to hold back McCoy and let her die. Um, so he's, he says to McCoy, he's kept those things buried, hidden, commanded no room for such indulgences. So very much Kirk uh, holding himself up to a very high standard and 
and keeping these things away from his crew. And there's a counselor character in Star Trek Continues that comes in, which is a great addition. And she has a good exchange with him about um, humans bury feelings of heartbreak and loss. They lock them away, never come to terms with them. Those feelings can paralyze us. She thinks he suffers from a great deal of guilt. He's never had the opportunity to explain to them why he did what he did. And she really drives it home to him that he needs the resolution, not them. It's him that needs to come to terms with what happened and, and not being able to actually explain to them why he did what he did. Um, and just kind of the last piece on that episode, there's this whole thing about the white iris goes back to the 19th century painting by Vincent van Gogh. It's his irises um, painting, and there's only one white iris in the painting as opposed to all the rest that are colored. And there's a good exchange there that McCoy wonders why he only painted one iris white. And Spock says it said because he was lonely. So again, coming back to Kirk where he feels alone, he doesn't have anybody to confide in about all these feelings that he has. One of the ones that I remember uh, best, because it's actually been a couple years since I've watched Continues all all through, um, was in uh, Divided We Stand, where they get attacked by the uh, by that computer virus that with him and McCoy, and they get sent back to the to what they think is the the American Civil War, and the way the way that they they put that together, it just kind of inform informs us kind of how Kirk is thinking, which kind of leads him into the 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 admiral's chair there at the end of the at the end of not only continues but then also into the motion picture. Yeah, and there's um, <clears throat> episode six come not between dragons. There is a good piece in there about how you know Kirk generally can make a speech and it changes everyone, like Omega Glory, where he does the whole "We the People" and he changes societies with it. But in this one here, it's um, a creature that his father is is chasing him, and basically it's uh, it's an abuse episode where his father abuses him, and Kirk tries to give a rousing speech to convince his father not to do that and basically it doesn't work spock asked him if he genuinely expected to convince him to change a deeply ingrained behavior simply with your words and kirk says well now that you put it that way i don't know what i expected but i didn't expect silence so it's just kind of kirk realizing that he can't always just use words he has to go a bit further sometimes and he might not be the right one to be trying to talk somebody out of something so it's it's kind of playing to, like you said, setting him up for where he's ready to go into the admiral's admiral's chair and get off the bridge. Which, you know, then also leads Kirk to talk to Picard in generations, telling Picard, don't let him promote you and take take you out of that chair, because you do do a whole lot better, you know, behind or in the captain's chair than you do behind a desk. Yeah, you can take much more action as opposed to sitting back and just directing orders. Um, and kind of another piece there in the ninth episode, what ships are for. There's a great exchange. John Delancey, who plays Q, is in it as a different character, and he does great, uh, where he's basically calling out the Prime Directive's impacts to Kirk. And Kirk's trying to tell him that you can't condemn some of these abetions, which are trying to come to their world. And 
um, John Delancey's character's race believes that they're all criminals. Um, and Kirk's trying to explain, like, not everybody's painted with the same brush. Everybody's different. Hmm. And then Galisti's, John Delancey's character's name, already asked Kirk if there have been cases in which holding up this ethical principle of the prime directive meant allowing the entire population of planet to die, to die even if you could have saved them. And Kirk says, yes, but... And then he interrupts and says, an abstract idea is worth more than a world full of living, breathing people. You stand here lecturing me about compassion, balance. You kill defenseless people. You destroy innocent lives. You condemn the many for the crimes of the none. Who do you think you are? So it's just, it's a great kind of calling out of that prime directive. And, and you can tell Kirk is really affected by that. And you can see how, as he moves forward as a character, he's much less about following the how the rules are written as opposed to the spirit of them. One thing I love about Captain Kirk from the Kelvin timeline movies going into the original series to Star Trek continues to the movies, he has heart and you see that development through all of this. You know, he's not just a one-sided character. He learns from his experiences. He shows his heart. He shows his grit. And I, I just, it's fascinating that they can carry that continually on through such a large expanse of Star Trek. Yeah, that's a great point. <clears throat> he is a, he's kind of set up to be the, the cookie cutter hero, but they really layer that character quite a bit where he's a real yeah. person and these yeah. things affect him. He has feelings. He's not just a poker faced captain. You know, he cares about what he's doing. He cares about his missions. He cares about his orders. So, Yeah, and he's also one that, uh, you know, he he expects his crew to, to follow his orders and but he's not he's going to follow up after they've said that they've done it not you know micromanage them all the way through it yeah he's he's got that trust within with the with his crew um in all the series that we that we're covering yeah and at the end of the um Star Trek continue series they really wrapped it up great it was an episode called to boldly go and it really drives home that Kirk is just burnt out at the end of the 5 year mission uh, him and McCoy are talking earlier in the episode, and Kirk asked McCoy how many people have died under his command, and McCoy just says Jim, and Kirk jumps in and says 73 in five years, so he knows off the top of his head exactly how many people he's lost. And he just says, like, like McCoy's trying to tell him, like, it's not his fault, and, you know, we're expanding the bounds of human knowledge and all this, and Kirk just says, at what cost? Uh, so, and then there's Admiral Nagura they bring back here, where there's an exchange at the end where basically Nagura is going to offer him the Admiral's stripes. And he's talking to Nagura about all the ships that have lost, all the crewmen that Kirk has lost. He brings that up again, says five years is a long time, perhaps too long, and not the same as it once was. Um, Nagura tells him he sets high standards for himself. Most men would be happy to be half the captain he is. Kirk says he's not happy. Half's not good enough. He expects more of himself. So he's extremely high standards of himself. You can see that throughout the original series without without even watching continues. That, you know, Kirk's always been holding himself, you know, higher than everyone, especially 
during uh, Balance of Terror, McCoy even brings it up that that early, saying, you know, you hold yourself to standards that, that nobody else can can reach. And, you know, of of all the of all the, you know, planets and, and stuff in the galaxy and of all the people, don't kill the one named Kirk. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I always, in generations, when Kirk talks about uh, don't let them promote you and all this stuff, I always kind of thought, well, why the heck did you let them promote him? And I never really, until I watched Continues, I never really linked up in my mind that he was really hard on himself. Mm-hmm. And he just got to the point where he's so burnt out with it that just, I can't be in this chair anymore. I'm not good enough. I'm not up to my standards. So it really bridges from the original series and it really drives that home and brings him into where he starts in the emotion. You see that touched a little bit in beyond as well. When, you know, at the beginning of the movie, we see he's bored, he's worn out. He wants to take the vice admiral position and things on the ship are feeling episodic. Yes. And it actually really reminds me of captain Pike from the cage. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good callback. Cause that really is where, Pike is when we see him in the cage. Mm-hmm. And it really, if you were Kirk and going on all these missions, losing all these people, making all these big decisions, after five years, you'd be burnt out as a person. Definitely. The shoulder of responsibility is immense. Yeah, and it's good that this really shows that. Because a lot of sci-fi, you don't necessarily get that. And this kind of character development of in the 60s, especially, you didn't get that usually. Usually your heroes were heroes to the end. Yeah. Never got tired there. And and if, if you know, something was up, it was because they were under some sort of control from someone else. I'm thinking particularly of uh, Jim West and Wild Wild West, where when he wasn't himself, it was because he was under, under the control of someone else. Right. Yeah, they're, your heroes were always invincible, but this really early on, and then they carried that through where it does affect him as a human being. So, and continues just <clears throat> further drove that home. Um, so why don't we jump into Kirk and the films, Allie? All right. So I, I kind of felt for part one of my, my Kirk character study, he, he really comes into the world in dramatic fashion. And I think that really foreshadows and embodies how he takes on that kind of adventurous lifestyle. You know, I think it becomes clear when we see when he's young and he steals the Corvette, he feels free. He's without consequence. He's fully defiant of authority. And I think that's a running theme in the first two films. He's, he's defiant. He has no respect for authority. And why should he, where's his father figure? Um, but he does take risks. He takes big ones. Um, but, I mean, between his defiance, he does have that brilliance, and it allows him to carry that chip on his shoulder, as so well demonstrated in the bar fight before we meet Pike for the first time. And Pike certainly knew how to play into that character, um, you know, daring him to do better than his father, to join Starfleet. And, and Kirk's response the next morning kind of solidified for that, for me, for who he was at in these movies at a core level. Um, He's perceived, like, I I feel like he had a perceived invincibility. It propels him forward, and it couples him with his distaste for authority, and it ultimately got him kicked off the Enterprise with Spock leaving him on that fateful planet, Delta Vega. But underneath all of that bravado, we do get a good grasp of who James Kirk really is. He's a go-getter. He's risk-taker. He's not afraid to do or go after what he wants. But unfortunately for him, this still gets him in a lot of hot water. I mean, the Kobayashi Maru incident, I think, really highlighted that. 
budding personality as the infamous captain. I just uh, love that but I don't, sequence too. Sorry, when he's eating the apple, when he's yeah. Eating the apple and he's <laughs> shooting them, and yeah. Yeah. I don't just, know. Don't you think we should fire at them or something? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, that really plays into what you're talking about there, Ali. About his his like bravado, and he's so sure of himself, and he gets himself takes big risks because he's so sure. And eventually, yeah. he loses. Yeah, and and I don't think it it the consequences haven't caught up with him at this point. He's still too young, and. Even throughout the whole movie, for me, the whole theme was that he's just not ready to fully respect the chair. Um, it was very evident for me at the end of the movie. Um, it was almost like seeing him in that Corvette again. Um, you know, when he's sitting in the chair and and deciding where to go, it was, it was almost like you could feel he wasn't just quite ready. And that kind of actually brings me back into part two, where in Into Darkness, I, he's reckless. You know, um, Oh, the opening for Into, Into Darkness really highlights where Captain Kirk is at in terms of respecting authority. You know, he's running from the temple with a stolen artifact to lure the native out, uh, to get them away from the volcano. You know, he's completely ignoring General Order 1. Um, you know, they're trying to stop that volcano while staying hidden, but that obviously doesn't happen. Um, it ends up with that pre-warp civilization worshipping him and the Enterprise. And, I mean... Kirk thinks he's above all this to edit out his report. He just happened to leave that all out, and when Spock's conflicting report comes in, he loses the Enterprise. I don't think that was something he was absolutely expecting. But I think that plays into his leap before looking and to hell with the consequences, and he'll have to deal with it later. Yeah, I think that's... uh, You really see Kirk in the first two movies... Whereas in like, the original series, he had been a lieutenant. He had been through things like the episode Obsession, where the cloud creature killed all his crew that he was on. He had risen up the ranks. So he'd really been almost like um, dulled out a bit in terms of being just a total risk taker. But he didn't have that in the Kelvin timeline to that point. No, no, he didn't. He was thrust into the captain's chair and... and uh... I think we especially find that evident after after the bombing of the um, archives and when they're all gathered and he loses Pike. I, I feel like he really went into a dark downworld spiral there. Um, he, you know, we see that defiance in him when uh, when he goes to Admiral Marcus to be reinstated as the captain and to take the Enterprise and to go after John Harrison, and and just his whole actions after that. Um, <clears throat> culminating in him begging for mercy from Admiral Marcus for his crew. And I think that that's the point where we really reach a turning point in his development as Captain Kirk, um, where he's realizing the consequences of his actions now are going to cost him an entire crew. Because at that point, he said he hadn't lost a single person, which, much to David Mack's chagrin when he wrote More Beautiful Than Death, (laughs) he had to change a couple lines in there just just to get it you know, in continuity. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even when he's he's being defiant with Scotty, Scotty's trying to warn him, you know, these, these missiles that are coming on board, what are they? Where are they from? Don't detonate them. It's going to, uh, you know, harm the warp core. We don't know. And it, it ends up in Scotty resigning because of Kirk's willfulness. And, and it puts Sulu in a, in a pickle, too, when, when he's left there on, on the bridge with a, Spock and Nahor and Kirk all going to Kronos to get Harrison. Yep, and then he has to lay out the threat of of bombing Harrison. Yeah, it really. Oh, 
Yeah, and it really comes with the um, the Kelvin timeline. It shows that nature versus versus nurture. So you mm-hmm. they do a really good job of having the core characteristics of, characteristics of Kirk, but those that he did not have experiences that he did in TUS up to that point. So you could see where those experiences he had in TUS changed him as a character and dulled some of those leaping without looking instincts and made him a more rounded leader. Whereas in the Kelvin timeline, he didn't have all that. So he's still learning into the second movie to your point, to your point, Allie, that um, up until that point when he realizes that he's going to lose his whole crew because of his choices, he hasn't really had that no win scenario at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think for me, the part when he really just started coming into his own was just after that Admiral Marcus moment, um, when he's going into the warp core chamber to, to save the crew. I think at that point, that's where he gains that wisdom and that insight that it's not just about him and, and how flashy he can be and, and how quickly he can take vengeance for Captain Pike. I think it becomes more about what he's doing to protect his crew and his ship. And for me, that kind of just really, you know, he gave his life to save his crew, and that's where he came into his own, and that's when we kind of see him go into Star Trek Beyond. I kind of think of it as the rise of Captain Kirk. Um, You know, even though we see him at the beginning where he's bored and worn out, um, you know, they, they get... The, uh, the they go after the survivors for the crashed ship on the on, in the unstable nebula you know and the ship is ambushed and and you know ultimately leading to the demise of the enterprise and this time actually through no fault of Kirk's reckless actions um, and I think his leadership really flowed through during that time uh, when they were trapped on ultimate when they're you know we, we still see that core defiance and that core recklessness but I feel like we see it handled with more maturity and more leadership he has a, a lot greater thought to what's going on around him and to his crew. I find that uh, when he had his ultimate showdown with Krull, I found that this was the moment, for me anyway, he truly became Captain James T. Kirk. I mean, he comes into his own, he has his own insight, his own sense of worth, and he becomes the brave, daring captain that we all know and love. It just took him a couple of movies to get there. Yeah, I think it was great that they didn't just take him as a character and drop him into that universe. They actually made yeah. him go through these trials and tribulations for no pun intended there. Uh, <laughs> and he really, he's got a huge journey from Star Trek 09 to beyond. And I really hope we get more of that crew. Cause I just want to see how he goes from there. Yeah, me too. And, yeah, for me, you know, it was it was the these sets of sets of movies that that got me, you know, back into to Star Trek as deeply as I am now. For for as much as I, I you know grew up, you know, watching the original series and, and loving it, this just kind of reminded me of of that love that I have for this franchise. They absolutely refired my love of Star Trek. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the 09 was basically a masterclass of how to reboot a franchise and introduce all the characters and where they are and how they're different. And then Into Darkness, everything up until the point where he's, Spock screams Khan. <laughs> if it had stopped there, it would have been great. <laughs> but then that last little bit, I just I forget that piece because it gets a little bit, uh, I don't know, it just doesn't fit. Yeah, a little too on the nose there. And Beyond is, I really enjoyed Beyond. 
it's it beyond feels, was so much fun yeah it gets back to that like the fun going out into the unknown and seeing what's there and then facing all these challenges and coming out on the other end as a, a better person really but overall through all three of the movies though i mean his character development was was great it was noticeable you felt for him you felt with him and at the end you finally got to cheer alongside with him because it's captain kirk yeah yeah and i think definitely have to put a lot of props to chris pine because he played the character of kirk at no point was it a um shatner playing kirk that he was playing he was just he found the character he wasn't playing shatner playing kirk he was just playing kirk yeah which is not not easy because shatner had a very and you like i remember nick meyer and a lot of commentaries he did for star trek 2 is he would make shatner do a line over and over and over and over until he wasn't being shatner he was being kirk so it's just Shatner had a very specific way of doing it. And if he had the right director, they could kind of beat it out of him in a way. <laughs> so, and then Pine just being able to go right to, here's the character of Kirk, I'm going to play that character, as opposed to imitating Shatner. Was... He did get a lot of little Kirk nuances down pat. Just the, the mannerisms, the way he spoke is excellent. Even when he's eating that apple on the bridge, it's it's very similar to, to Kirk in, in Wrath of Khan. Yeah, just those mannerisms. And even going back to 09 in that fight scene when he first meets Ohura, just the, the looks and the the bravado. And it's just very Kirk. <laughs> I always get a huge laugh out of that sequence, especially when he... Gives a guy a little slap on the face and calls him cupcake and <laughs> turns around and <laughs> then uh who is it? Uh Bruce Green- Greenwood Pike comes in and whistles and you can whistle very loud. <laughs> just the look <laughs> on his face. And then just how he's, you know, kind of half listening, playing with the salt shaker. Yeah. Oh well, and then that carries over into the in, in into darkness when Pike was bugging him about the fight and Kirk was like no, no, it was a good fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny how in the um, in the Calvin timeline they really did pack in Kirk's journey into three movies. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's not he's a different Kirk because he has had different experiences, but he's getting to a very similar place. The character by the end of the we movies. see his core values, and we see his core personality. Now I'm trying to remember. Was his shirt, did his shirt rip in all three of them? <laughs> you know what? I can't remember. Now I'm going to have to rewatch them again. <laughs> well, because I know, I know in Beyond, I know in Beyond they, it did, because fighting Kevin's race there. Um, I don't think it did in the first two. Okay. I, Which I think yeah. actually winds up being, being pretty similar, because I think it was like every third episode was when Kirk's <laughs> Kirk shirt got ripped. <laughs> yeah, back in the day when Shatner was still young, didn't have to wear the girdle. Because yeah, well, and if you notice, you know the 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 longer that the series went on, the less that his shirt ripped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess so. Any final thoughts about James Tiberius Kirk? I like the I like the middle name. 
when it, whenever I get a dog, a, a black lab, I'm going to name him Tiberius, just for that simple <laughs> fact. That's going to be an excellent name. <laughs> it's actually funny, funny story about the middle name, too. I guess everybody probably remembers where No Man's Gone before, when mm-hmm. it's James R. Kirk on the tombstone. And I think the story is that it might have been Gene Kuhn at a, a convention, screwed up and said it was Tiberius instead. So then that became canon. And then Star Trek continues in the last episode. They actually just threw a kind of a throwaway line, but um, Kirk says that Gary Mitchell got so like power hungry that he couldn't remember my middle name. So it kind of explains that away um, in a lot of ways. It's just a throwaway line, but it was a funny little piece. They yeah, I guess I'm throwing in a, another non-canon reference in uh, the My Brother's Keeper series. Um, I think it was like a, a nickname that, that Mitchell had given Kirk of like racquetball just because that's all they would constantly play. <laughs> I love a good retcon. Any uh, final thoughts on James T. Kirk Alley? Yes, actually, I think uh, I think my final thoughts on James T. Kirk are that he is to me, one of the true core Starfleet captains. He's brave, he's handsome, he's bold, he's not afraid to take risks, he cares for his crew, and he really feels for his missions. He's just an all-around great character, and when I think of Star Trek, not only do I think of Spock and Bones and all of them, it's, it's Kirk. It's Kirk that takes us into the future. Yeah, Kirk really pulls it all together. You get the logic from Spock and that whole journey. You get the heart from Bones, but Kirk meshes it into a captain's decisions and taking care of his crew and serving the, the greater good. On October 27th, we will be starting our book club series by talking about the Vanguard series of novels. We'll be starting with Harbinger. If you have not read the series or it's been a while, please read if you would like to join the discussion. We have some very special guests lined up for this series of podcasts, and we hope you enjoy it. Thank you. The Voyages, a Star Trek animated and Kelvin Timeline podcast, is hosted and produced by Ali Black, Chris Hill, and Mike Burse, and is part of the Hall Suite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date on all the news and updates from The Voyages, be sure to follow The Voyages 2S on Twitter and Facebook. You can find Ali Black on Twitter at Enzo underscore McAllen with two C's and two L's. Chris Hill is on Twitter at the Chris Hill, Chris with a K. And Mike Burse is on Twitter at Mike Burse Six. To join the Hollow Suite Media Community Discussion Group, simply type the Nexus into the Facebook search bar, and we'll see you there. Thank you for listening. Live long and prosper. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for... 
The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. During the whole lockdown around the world, Enterprise is having a surge in popularity. I don't know if you've seen it. That's what I've been hearing. It's crazy, like the Facebook groups, Twitter, everyone is talking about Enterprise. And I didn't realize so many Trek fans had never even watched it. It's nuts. People call themselves lifelong Trekkies who never watched it and are loving it now. I said to someone a week or two ago, I said, look, I'm so glad that you're finally getting around to watching it and enjoying it. But where were you guys <laughs> 15 years ago yeah. when we needed? did you when the show was on the edge then ultimately got cancelled loading hollow sweet preview program for there are four questions a star trek spotlight podcast i mean but of course i'm hoping that in the future drag is a whole lot easier <laughs> hopefully it doesn't take like two hours to get done up right because i'd be late for all my duty shifts so <laughs> I'd be like, right